Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, some of the Twinkle EYFS team, special guest speakers and other early years practitioners as we talk honestly about our experiences. Whether you're listening for CPD, on your commute or to help you relax, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello and welcome to another podcast episode. My name's Katie. And I'm Charlotte. And I'm Fliss. And I'm Hannah. And in today's episode, we're going to be taking some of your early years problems that you've sent in to us or that we've seen on social media and talk about our experiences and knowledge in those areas. So we've seen a few questions about supervisions and what they kind of look like in early years settings, how often you had yours. So I didn't really have much experience of this. So what did it look like for you guys? I don't know about you, Charlotte and Hannah, but I, as a practitioner and as a manager, I kind of hated supervision time (laughs) because it kind of felt like a little bit of a forced process of what we had to do because you had to have paperwork to prove to Ofsted that you were doing these self-evaluation form things. And I think if done correctly, totally worthwhile and I can see the point I just don't know if I've had the best experience of them I'm I don't know if you know where I'm coming from with that yeah I think it can feel like a real like paperwork task like ticket boxes writing comments just for the the sake of it and then actually if it's not going to improve your practice or um, I know allow you to discuss something that's you know been bothering you then it's actually a really pointless process and we all know how short of time everyone is in early years and there's always so many other things to do and as a manager I'd spend time planning you know I'm going to do so and so supervision this week and then inevitably someone's off sick something goes wrong and then a whole week's gone by you haven't got to that supervision and you're probably not going to get to it so it's it's one of those things that as a manager and as a practitioner like hey it's actually really frustrating especially if you've been waiting to go and see your manager all week and you know you're going to have your supervision mm-hmm. and you just want to get it over and done with yeah what about you charlotte um yeah well you i mean we used to try have them every three months that was the rule so there was like a chart on the wall in the office with a date of like when everyone was due to have their supervision and who would be taking it because the room leaders usually did their supervisions for their practitioners or apprentices or students whoever they had and then the manager would do the room leaders so I used to have mine with my manager but I mean sometimes it just went on for hours because we'd just be chatting not even about work sometimes it'd just be like we'd be sat chatting about my life and like she'd be like oh how are you and then I'd just start rambling about all the stuff that's going on in my life and she'd be like three hours later like Charlotte come on we need to um we've got work to actually do. actually talk about your job now but I used to find like Hannah said it's hard when like people ring sick or you know something's happening in your room and you just can't physically get out at the time to go do it because they're not quick well I used to find they weren't quick they did take quite a long time like with all the paperwork to fill in and stuff and then if you had like a member of staff that you knew it was going to be a difficult conversation or it was going to be quite long because there was a lot that they needed to improve on or there was a lot that had been brought up by other staff members that you've got to kind of report back. I used to hate doing those ones because it used to be really awkward because you just be sat there like, um, so I need to mention this. But yeah, I didn't particularly enjoy them. We, we, we did do quite well and then they kind of 
just dropped a bit and then because we used to have like appraisals I don't know if you guys had those either yeah I'd take appraisals and supervisions under like the same kind of umbrella we never really got the appraisal one but my manager used to have like an open door policy so she was like if you ever just do need to chat to me and you haven't got your supervision coming up she was like just come in and we'll book some time and talk about it so it was interesting to hear how you've kind of put it in two parts from what you said it sounds like there's a first part where somebody's got to fill in some paperwork they fill in the paperwork and then part two comes along where you discuss with some kind of manager or leader what you've written down everyone had their own blue file and then it had all their stuff in it so sometimes you'd only get half of it done and then like maybe a month later you get the other half done so it was never done sometimes altogether. it was just a bit scatty then you kind of forgotten about what you'd said (laughs) before so does that match up to your experience Hannah like having to complete stuff pre-meeting yeah, and it's kind of then becomes a bit, you know, you started your form weeks ago and it's got lost in the room and all scrumpled up and then you finally get back to it and it's kind of, you've kind of almost gone past the, the point of doing the supervision. So, yeah, I think it can be a really long, drawn-out process that actually isn't that valuable for everyone. I found it interesting, Charlotte, that you said, like, the room leader used to do the team in their room, not the manager. If I ever had it, like, I've always known it to be the manager or the deputy manager do the supervisions because, I don't know, what if you've got a problem with, if they ask you in the supervision, how how do you feel? Like, are you happy in the room? I won't, I won't want to say that to the room leader. That's what used to make it more awkward because if you knew they had an issue with you or an issue with someone else, sometimes it kind of just turned into a bit of a gossip kind of thing where they'd be like oh I don't like so and so and we were like well that that's not really the point of this like we can talk about that but it would just get sometimes a little bit and then I'd know stuff about someone else who didn't like someone else and then <laughs> yeah it just used to sometimes get a little bit unprofessional not on my part but sometimes on the practitioner's parts but I guess as well with supervisions and stuff like my experience in my nursery was that it was an open door policy so no, I didn't ever have like a formal one but for me I'd say I did have them because I'd go into the office and speak to them and like sometimes when I'd be finishing at the end of the day or if I'm starting putting my phone away and it was just me and the manager in the office she'd ask me like a few questions like how am I and that sort of thing and then if I ever did have anything that I wanted to speak about I'd then sit down and speak to speak to them then so like I guess it kind of like maybe it takes the pressure off a little bit of having an actual sit down supervision being like look I'm asking you all these questions I want you to answer them whereas like if you're doing it like off your own back with an open door policy you want I don't know say if you think you want to improve in one area you go and speak to them or like and the manager just catches you at the end of the day say like oh like can we just have a couple of minutes chat this training would really benefit you I guess it takes like the pressure off for the practitioner and the manager if they were done in that kind of way. Yeah, I think what you've both touched on, which is what I've found so often, is that the supervision really is only as good as the person doing the supervision. And if you're having your supervision and you're wanting to raise a problem that you have perhaps with a particular style of practice or with a particular person for whatever reason, and there's no way to avoid it, it's going to be the same regardless of the sector or your job, you're going to be super aware of who you're talking to. So I think sometimes they, they are quite forced because you can't, or you may not feel comfortable or confident allowing yourself to be completely honest. If your manager's sitting you down or your room needs to be like, are you happy at work? It takes like a lot of balls to be like, no, I'm actually quite unhappy at work. You have to be really quite confident to be like, I'm actually having a really hard time at the moment. And that's not easy for a lot of people to do. So 
I think that needs to be taken into account. So it is what people are saying to you in your supervision. But as a manager, you need to be really aware of what's going on in the day-to-day practice so you can pick up the stuff that that person might not necessarily be saying to you. I think like Fliss was describing like a much like a more organic style of supervision and rather than just sitting down at a set time, like three months has come around, it's time for your supervision. But actually having that open door and kind of engaging all the time. It would save a lot of time on um, road to work, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. My only problem with this more casual approach is then people tend to only go to you when you have a problem. People are like, you don't just walk in and like, really like my job today I'm having a great time it's been a good couple of weeks you're more likely to go in and be like I'm actually really unhappy about this you need to change it so then the people that are doing fine and are just ticking along nicely you have to be careful that they don't get lost or swept under the rug yeah there'll probably always be people who's like slipped through the net because they're doing okay or they haven't really or they don't want to raise a problem so then you'd never speak to them so you've got to find that balance between being organic about it and taking off that pressure and actually getting to the cause and root of things that you need to talk about and actually making sure that everyone gets spoken to and feels like a listened to part of your setting. My manager used to have a, like a flip chart of different sayings on a desk. And when I used to come in on an early, I used to flip it on something rude and then leave it there <laughs> facing her. And she'd be like, is this you? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about you today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this question that we got is about learning journeys. So do you do online or paper? Like which is best, online versus paper? To me, when I first heard this, I was like, surely everyone does online. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah. But I would never like if I was looking for a job now and there was a setting and I went in and I did my little tour and they were like, Oh, we're all paper based, I would say yeah, no. Same. Because things get lost, it's so much more extra work and printing mm. and paper and it's 2023 I care about the planet I just yeah. blows my mind to think and having used apps now it's so convenient like yeah. your handovers are different now that you know have to explain to parents every single nappy change because mm-hmm. it's already on the app mm-hmm. when they get home and I think just like inputting data like onto the iPad I don't know like you could take it outside whilst they're playing just on the ipad whereas like you've got loads of paperwork it'd be flying everywhere like reports can just be filled in based on what's been done in observations and it's just you adding in a couple of comments whereas before like i had to highlight off areas at Mm. the eyfs and things and that was just it just took time and there was just constant arguments over lost paperwork and as we learned from charlotte's experience children draw on your paperwork (laughs) they do i mean the only the only thing that i miss from doing paper learning journeys is like the creative side of it because I used to just love like I imagine you was like personalize I used to like personalize each learning journey to the child so I used to I don't know I used to just I used to have stickers and all sorts and you just like jazz it all up whereas I can't do I couldn't do that on the tablet so you just make me a bit sad um should have the option to like change the profile yeah you should be able to put like (laughs) cute little pick like you know clip arts and Mm -hmm. stuff on Mm -hmm. um I think that's why I took loads of selfies on it because <laughs> I need my own stamp on there. Yeah, but yeah, oh, they cut out so much, like cutting pictures out. To, yeah. So we had to back all our pictures that went in our learning yeah, journeys. Yeah. And that just used to take so it much time. time. So obviously now having it on tablet is so much easier. The only downfall is when it... Yeah. And now I'm glad I never worked yeah. in it. It was the paper. Yeah. Like, by the time I'd started, it, it was just iPads. Exhausting. Having to do the, the little learning books that... We'd be like, we'd put a couple of pieces mm. of work in. You would find yourself 
get behind on it because it was just a bit yeah. of a bore leg job. We used to do the art folders. So, like, they'd have yeah. all the artwork and then, like, um, we'd do, like, make it into, like, one from each month, like, a bit of the yeah. artwork, like, you stick it in. And I was just like, well, I, I remember, though, like, we used to let some parents take them home so they could have an extra look. And some of them used to come back trashed. Mm. And, I mean, trashed. And, like, obviously, practitioners have put so much effort into these learning journeys. And they'd have, like, coffee stains. Oh, that was annoying. Oh, no. The children had got hold of them and ripped yeah. all the pages out and they so just shoved them spot. back in. Mm. And you just see, why have I done all that hard work? And you've literally treated it like it's just nothing. Yeah. Whereas on the tablets now, at least, they can't. Yeah. I mean, the only, downfall, the only downfall is when they crash. Mm-hmm. The system crashes yeah. or your Wi-Fi goes or something. It's like an initial, there's a big cost. Because obviously you have to buy the programme, you have to teach the staff how to use it. You have to buy tablets. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think that pays for itself oh, yeah. really quickly in the time save. And some of the apps, we used to be able to message the parents throughout the day, so which was more convenient for everyone than a phone call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'd be able to do like their invoices and stuff, so like you weren't having to give those mm-hmm. out to parents, which is always a tricky one. Everything for the nursery was on the app, and I think that's just a much cleaner, better way of performing. And again, it's 2023. Like, it feels so... Mm. old-fashioned yeah it's to not be doing that so one of the practitioner problems we got asked was how often do staff move rooms in the nurseries so you might work in baby room and then get moved to preschool so how do you guys find it's worked in your settings before so my experience is and I don't know if you guys can relate like genuinely like 80 to 90 percent of the time it was probably because there was problems with the staff in the mm. rooms so that might be that the practitioners weren't particularly getting along or that it wasn't like the strongest team that it could be and that because of that there ended up being movements yeah or like the staff just genuinely wanting to try a different age or mm-hmm. or whatever I mean I at one point I was considering going to babies and I don't know I think it was it's more just if it's the staff issue or staff wanting to change yeah, they don't actually just say oh you've been working in babies for two years now let's move you to mm-hmm. preschool like I don't know it, always, it was always quite purposeful. Like yeah. I said, there was an issue or, like you said, someone wanted mm. to move. I think as well, if you've got knowledge in a certain area. But like I was in preschool because I had a lot of knowledge working with the older children. So it just made sense for me to work in preschool. And nobody ever sort of was like, Charlotte, do you want to move to babies? You become part of that. And I never really asked to move because I was, you know, happy where I was. And everyone was just like, preschool's your room. Like, we won't change you unless we need to. So, obviously, I just just stayed there. There was also quite a lot. Perhaps room leaders or other people would change because one room needed a certain support in more Mm -hmm. areas. So, for example, if there was a lot of sender children, it might be that a certain person would go into that because they have, like you said, the experience Mm -hmm. so that they would be a better leader for that room. Or it might be that there's um, a lot of children moving up who had a particular key person at the same time so actually it would make sense for that key person to move room with them to ensure that consistency and I think sometimes like the busyness of your room can sort of contribute so if you've got like we used to have one room at one point and I think it has like four children in it gosh that's so quiet so (laughs) you don't really need all those practitioners in there so some people would get moved while it was quieter into a busy room Mm -hmm. and then they would once it got a bit busier they'd just get moved back yeah. you got to be flexible I think really yeah. I think it's quite nice like now I do a bit of supply so it's nice that I get to go in each room and like work with all the different ages I mean I still 
prefer being in the toddlers because that's where I like I feel like I'm I feel like I do best in there as well I know how to be with them children more than I do with babies in preschool but like it is nice to like just float around sometimes like we have members of like full-time members of staff that were like floaters like to fill in gaps for ratio and stuff like that but yeah, I think if I changed rooms every year, I'd be a bit, uh, like, you know, like in schools, sometimes yeah. you'd be a reception teacher one year, you'd be yeah. a year two teacher the next, and then come back to reception, I just think, oh, that'd be too much chopping and changing for me. I think when you've got key children as well, it is hard to keep constantly moving people, because if you've just got to know those children, and they're like, oh, you're going to go to babies now, can be a bit frustrating for some people when they've just settled into a room with their key children. Yeah. But like floaters don't always have key children, yeah. so... The only time in my experience that there would be like 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 clockwork regular changes would be for apprentices, and so in one of the nest in one of the nurseries that I worked at, sort of every three months, all of the apprentices would rotate round. I think just so that by the time they got because it was four rooms because there was two baby sets of baby rooms, so by the time it got to the end of one year when most of them had started to complete whatever level they were doing. They'd had experience. Yeah, that's everyone. a good idea. Yeah, you will get the experience. Like I know apprentices have just stayed in one room, so it's quite nice that they do that. Like you, at the end of the day, you've got to learn about from not to five, so yeah. it makes sense to move around, doesn't it? The idea of just being in one room during an apprentice yeah. is actually quite crazy. Yeah. Like you need to have experience all the ages. I mean, they went and like covered in other rooms, and they had to do um, like the bottle feeding. So then they had to go and like work in uh, babies for like an afternoon or something. That's when they yeah. holding it awkwardly with the bottle, like. What yeah <laughs> what is this yeah, but I think yeah I think every apprentice should move around yeah we used to every now and then people like you said would go and cover in a different room and then that would always be quite a good experience I think just like I think when you if you're like for example if you're normally in baby room going to spend an afternoon in preschool probably completely chaotic for you because it's so different I bet your afternoon or your day goes a lot quicker mm-hmm. just for that like brief day that you swap over Imagine how many like practitioners actually have like done that. They've gone and covered and thought, you know what? Yeah, I actually want to change. Well, this is like I started to teach when I first. I, I was a teacher. I thought year six, maybe yeah. in secondary school. How I ended up getting lower and lower and lower until somehow babies yeah. is where I like excelled. I have no idea, but it was just constant swapping and changing until I got there. So you never really know what you like, and your preferences change. But I think most settings take that into account. Every early years interview I've ever done unless it's been like very specifically for like a toddler room leader role for example they always ask like yeah. what age do you prefer working with and they try and put you with them I think because you'll be better yeah 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 I got asked that on my interview well, I originally went for baby room can you imagine no I went for preschool world brought into um but then they were like no we think you'd be better suited in preschool with your experience so I was like okay that's fine that makes sense to me I also can like definitely preschool but I also come to you with preschool yeah I because I did my experience at uni um in a nursery and I I was in the toddlers and I didn't like that and then I moved to preschool and I liked that and then I did my final placement in the year one class and I really liked that so then I was like oh, well I want to do preschool but then they had the job available in toddlers and then eventually I like that but now I'd say when I, I like all of them now but I think I've been in babies quite a lot. Like recently, I quite like being in babies. But the other part yeah. of me is like, whether you like the age group or not, get over it because mm. that is where you are working, and your job is to work with zero to five. So just yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah. You don't go into childcare because you want to work with like Very a specific, specific yeah. age group. Mm. Like, I don't go past two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, yeah. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode. As always, you can follow us on social media where you can ask us your own early years problems. We've got Facebook, Facebook groups, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube, Instagram. If it exists, we're probably on it. But in the meantime, we'll speak to you soon. Bye. 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 So that's it for today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to join in or would like to know more, then come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook page, Facebook groups, an Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. All the links of where to find us will be in our podcast description. Come and join the conversation. And whatever you're doing today, I hope you have a great day.